And welcome into Overnight America. A little after 11 o'clock in St. Louis. Hi, I'm your host, Ryan Recker. This hour, we're going to be talking to a policy researcher with the Show Me Institute. Graham Renz joins us in just a couple of minutes. He'll be in studio. Ooh, very, very interesting thing, especially in the Chesterfield area. It's important to know how tax money is being spent. You need to know at some point, is it being spent effectively? Is it going to where it should go? Is it being used in the right ways? A lot of things need to be answered. And I think the Show Me Institute does a good job of shedding some light onto this. And then you could make your own decisions. So Graham Renz from that institute will be joining us just uh, after the break here. Also, I want to talk about the radio host that quit his job after the radio station said, stop talking about Trump so much in a negative way. Well, I, you know, I have a, a thought on that. And I think people are freaking out because how dare a radio station try to direct an on-air talent? Okay, I get that. But at the same time, the guy, there's some red flags in that story of the, of the host that I want to bring up. So a few things I don't quite understand. And one of the most accomplished actors of our generation, calling it quits, ready to retire. At some point, you need to be able to walk away. Good for him to do that. And, of course, deep-fried Twinkies. I learned that we are one of two markets. I think we're a test market. And, man, thumbs up to the deep-fried Twinkie. Mike Anderson says, no, I say yes. In fact, I might have another one tonight. Bring on the old deep-fried Twinkies that have been sitting around here. And of all places, Long John Silver's producing them. Hanson had some pretty interesting things to say about Justin Bieber. I'm going to look at that tongue-in-cheek funny way, the GOP health bill. More sound, more people sounding off on that. Also, um, you know, there's so much to get to the show tonight. You can reach me on Twitter, at Ryan Recker, if there's anything you want to hear on the show. It's kind of like calling a music radio station and putting in a request. Oh, we're going to be taking your request. Just, we're not playing music requests, but if there was anything you wanted us to talk about or anything you wanted to share with me, you can reach me on Twitter, at Ryan Recker. Send it over that way. Lots to get to this hour and just coming up in a few minutes. How is your tax dollars? Are they uh, being spent appropriately in the state? Well, let's look at the numbers. And we're going to talk to the Show Me Institute. I think they have a good insight into some of the projects and some of the ways this money has been spent in ways you may not know about. All right, that's coming up next. I'm Ryan Recker, your host, Overnight America, KMOX. Now, more of Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Hot out. Okay, so welcome back to Overnight America. The Show Me Institute grabbed my attention, some of the findings that they were able to put out and produce. It's interesting that uh, there are still watchdog groups out there, and it's good that there's still watchdog groups that are able to get the word out and say, hey, you should be made aware of this. Showmeinstitute.org is the website, and you can reach them on Twitter. They're at ShowMe, which is a wonderful Twitter handle. And joining us is one of their policy researchers. His name is Graham Renz from the ShowMe Institute. Hey, thanks again for coming in to KMOX. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Coming all the way into downtown, having some fun in studio, and looking and monitoring our tax dollars and how they're put to work. Let me just ask you this as a broad question. Why is it important to 
keep the government in check when it comes to spending our tax dollars? Well, uh, there is a there's a. It's an obvious question, but I sure right. I mean, there's an old adage that says, uh, "If you're paying, I'll have steak." Right, and so uh, <laughs> it's really easy to spend other people's money. Uh, we're often uh, not as good a stewards of other folks' money as we are our own, uh, and so uh, we want to we want to keep a check on government spending precisely because we want it to do uh, the best work for for taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, taxpayers don't get to uh, really choose their government like you get to choose your grocery store. Um, and so we want to be sure that those tax dollars are spent wisely. Okay. So what do you guys do at the Show Me Institute? So at the Show Me Institute, what we do is we uh, we research policy uh, from an economic perspective, from a sociological perspective, um, and we try to promote free market solutions to move Missouri forward. And so we're interested in, in increasing freedom, personal freedom, economic freedom, uh, in improving educational choice and making sure that parents get to decide, mm-hmm. uh, make big choices on their children's education. Um, and we want to hold the governments accountable. Um, governments uh, have a lot of money, uh, and we want to be sure that they're spending it wisely and in ways that benefit taxpayers. A lot of times you find that people have no idea how the government's spending their money, and then they're kind of surprised and they see the areas where the money is going. That happens a lot. Uh, yeah, that happens more often than we'd like, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the Show Me Institute idea is to say, maybe you need to look at this area here where this money is going. Because a lot of times... You know, it's it's not necessarily bad things they're doing, but you wonder, could there be better uses for this money? And w- especially when there's shortfalls in certain areas, why is the money going here and not there? There's a lot of questions that could be brought up when you start paying attention to what's going on with the funding. And then you start to wonder, why did the funding go there as opposed to somewhere else? And then you get to deeper questions on top of that. Hey, there, there's only so much money that we have, only so many public resources, uh, and there's opportunity cost to projects. So we want to be sure that the money that we do spend is going to the things that the government uh, is supposed to be focusing on and yeah. not those things that not supposed to be one of the things that grabbed my attention and i saw this actually on reddit people were talking about it oh, so wow, sharing great, the links great. on reddit the chesterfield wall and it's not one that donald trump has decided to talk about but it's a five hundred thousand dollar wall in chesterfield a lot of money for a wall this wall better be a big public use or not what tell me about this wall yeah so we can call it a wall and it is a wall but it's really a half a million dollar street sign it just says Kerr's Mill Road on it uh, and it's a road the intersection that it's at but um, so this wall was funded by a transportation development district or a TDD uh, and just to go into these really quickly a TDD is a special taxing district uh, which is its own little micro government which can collect sales and property taxes to fund all sorts of uh, improvements suppose to be transportation improvements. Um, and in Chester, in the Chesterfield Valley area, in that whole shopping uh, area, mm-hmm. there is one of these districts, and it collects uh, a sales tax, three-eighths of a cent, uh, on all your purchases, uh, and it was established to fund all sorts of uh, transportation improvements. Uh, one of those improvements that was approved by voters was a beautification of okay. the certain intersection. Um, and it looks like there was probably just a bit too much uh, tax money collected, probably more than there really needed to be. And so it looks like we got a half a million dollar wall because there was money to spend. And the question is, you know, maybe this taxing district collected more than it really had to. Right. And you think it was just one of those deals where they had to spend it? Or what would happen if there was a surplus in this account? 
Uh, they can they can spend it as they see fit. However they really, want. I mean, who's making the, the decisions on what they're, so, they're doing? So these TDDs, transportation development districts, have boards of directors, and in mm-hmm. uh, in this case, the board of directors has uh, two representatives from the city of Chesterfield and two from St. Louis County, uh, and they make the decisions on how this money is spent. And so uh, there was a there was a consultant who came up with an idea for this wall and said, "Hey, what do you guys think?" They approved it and they wrote a check for half a million dollars for. Uh, for a street sign. I had no idea walls could cost that much because I saw the video you guys posted at the, on the website because you have a blog and you talk about different projects that are going on across sure, the state. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Very nice videos. A YouTube video there about Chesterfield's half a million dollar wall. It's nice, but I a lot of times I look at things like that and I say, how in the world is that a half a million dollars? Like, what goes into making that a half a million dollars? That That's a great question, and I'm sure there was some, you know, really high-end stone and cement that went into it. And it's not that the wall's not nice. It's not that it doesn't add to the ambiance of yeah. the area. It's whether this is uh, more of a, an example of government largesse than proper use of tax dollars. Yeah, exactly. And if you were to talk to people just in the neighborhoods around there, I'm sure, you, you would say if you were to build a retaining wall or something around your own property, would you spend X amount of dollars on it if you were to try to put it into a proportion of a single homeowner's? And they would say, there's no way I would pay that much money for that. If, if you try to just break it down to what an individual would do on an individual basis. So I don't know why government can't work that way too, where they look at it and if this was an individual, would I do this in my own home for this cost? A lot of times you'd say, no, there's no way I would do that. Like I said, if you're paying, I'll have steak. (laughs) So you go to these board meetings and talk to the people making decisions of how they're spending the money. And for the most part, do they feel like, how dare you question me? Because when I was looking at the comments on Reddit, their main objection was, why do you care about how this money's being spent if you don't live in this area? Sure. Well, uh, so part of what I do, uh, specifically at the Show Me Institute, is look at these districts, um, transportation development districts, and there's this other kind of uh, government district called a community improvement district. Um, and over the past 20 years, 500 of these districts have sprouted up. Um, and the state auditor just released a report on TDDs in particular that looked at their spending, whether they're accountable, whether they're transparent. And the findings that Auditor Galloway came up with were uh, less than flattering. These uh-huh. districts are tend to be really abusive. Um, a single property owner can draw districts, can draw boundaries around their property and levy a sales tax. Uh, and decide how to spend that money. Um, So often what you see are very few voters in these districts and a lot of money being generated. And so what we want to do is be sure that public decisions, decisions that have to do with, you know, sometimes millions and millions of dollars have, uh, that they go through a very democratic process. Mm -hmm. And when you have a really small uh, voter pool, you can start to special interests can have to can sway there, um, especially so, when it comes to those districting. You're talking about small areas for the voter pool, but it affects a broad area of people that are going to be paying into it. Absolutely, if you shop in the retail valley or in the valley retail area, uh-huh. you paid for that wall. And the TDD uh, is this TDD in Chesterfield is considering a proposal to spend seven million dollars on a privately owned ice rink facility mm-hmm. in Chesterfield. Um, and so that's why I was there this uh, this Monday to present some testimony questioning the use uh, of this district to fund a privately owned facility, um, particularly because in Maryland Heights, they're proposing another yeah. ice rink facility. Huge facility out that's there. That's going to be duly subsidized. And so the question is, hey, 
uh, you know, it, there was an ice rink in Chesterfield that just went out of business, uh-huh. the Hardy's Iceplex. It closed its doors. Um, the market can't support these things. Uh-huh. Yet you want to subsidize your own here in Chesterfield. Uh, the county's looking to subsidize one in Maryland Heights. Maryland, the city of Maryland Heights is going to give money to it. Uh, you know, if 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 the market can support one, what makes us think that it's going to support two? Right. Um, and we're going to have two competing facilities that are both taxpayer funded. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't make sense for taxpayers to pay for two new market entrants to compete against one another when one privately owned facility couldn't make it. Yeah, and what happens when one of those facilities can't make money? So what happens if they're having a deficit year after year after year? Taxpayers are going to be paying for that too. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, these are some of the questions that we asked that I asked on Monday's meeting. Uh, the details aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, part of what happened on Monday was that uh, it was... What we heard is that a development agreement will be negotiated. Hmm. So the details on this plan, uh, they don't know what they are yet. And even if they do, the public doesn't know. Do you ever stand up during one of these meetings, take off your shoe, bang it on the table, and say, no, you're out of order? Does that ever happen? Does <laughs> I, it get heated? I, I wish, but you know what? I think I m- might have some, uh, might be reprimanded for that. Uh, Graham Renz with the Show Me Institute. Can you stick around for another segment? I got some more questions of other projects that are going Absolutely. on in the state. All right, cool. We're going to play that coming up uh, after the break. We'll take a look at your weather and more projects around that Chesterfield area. I want to eventually, and by the way, Long John Silver just tweeted at me on Twitter. They were very impressed with the video I did about the Twinkie. Now, I did a video earlier. I I did a taste test on a video, and I liked every single second of it. This is going to be a cultural phenomenon where people are going to love it for... Uh, 30 days, and then they'll forget about it, and it'll go away, and then eventually, eight months later, someone will say, let's bring it back, and people will get excited over it again, and then it'll go away. You know, just the, there's trends. They go in and out. We're going to play uh, part two. We're going to get back to the Show Me Institute, and Graham Renz joins us uh, in studio. He's a policy advisor, uh, researcher, I should say, and looks at some other projects across the state that you should know about. You can reach them on Twitter at, well, was it at Show Me? What a great Twitter handle. You can reach me as well at Ryan Recker. It's over at America KMOX. Calling all soccer players and fans. The 3v3 Live Under the Stars Tournament kicks off July 22nd at Chesterfield Athletic Complex. KMOX is proud to present the chance for players of all ages to play their way to the 3v3 Soccer Championships at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando. Team slots are filling fast. Head to KMOX.com slash 3v3 now to get all your registration details. 3v3 sponsored in part by Johnny Max Sporting Goods, Forefront Dermatology, and and New Bowl Toyota. You'll be sold on New Bowl. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes, mornings and afternoons. KMOX. And welcome back to Overnight America. Joining us in studio, Graham Renz with the Show Me Institute, their policy researcher, and lots of interesting things going on. We focused a lot on Chesterfield, but there's big things that you cover all throughout the course of the state. It's not just the St. Louis area. A couple of them I wanted to highlight here and bring up to you. Uh, because there's there's more than more than just that area. Tell me about what's going on with the streetcars and the developers of going on in Kansas City, because this could affect what's going on here in St. Louis too. Absolutely. So in Kansas City, a few years ago, they established one of these transportation development districts, like they have in Chesterfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and this district has uh, a sales tax and a property tax, uh, and it spent about a hundred million dollars to build a streetcar in downtown Kansas City. So two point two 
miles of streetcar for a hundred million dollars. That's so a lot of money. A hundred million dollars. That's a lot of money. Fifty million dollars a mile. How many uh, or how long has it been in service for now? Uh, since I want to say it started service in 2016, so it's okay. been running for a, about a year. Do they have any stats on it? Are people using? Oh it? yeah, no, it, it's it's well it's well utilized, okay. especially on the weekends. The 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 caveat is that it's free, uh-huh. and so uh, you can ride it as much as you want. So that's not the problem. That is not the problem. The problem is uh, one of the the big push for the streetcar was not that it's going to help people get to work or that it's going to help people get to school. Mm-hmm. It's that it's going to entice developers to help rebuild the city core. Okay. Um, and so this thing is going to push economic development. That was the big that was a big driver for this project. So the idea is if if it's free, people will use it and they'll go to areas they weren't going to before and spend money there. Is basically yeah, the, the idea. idea is, you know, infrastructure, when you put in a highway, people build around it. When right. you put in, uh, you know, when you make these improvements, it it makes development easier and development, you know, creates jobs, etc. And so the idea is that this is going to help revitalize the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every time that there's a development now in downtown Kansas City, streetcar advocates say, hey, look, this is what the streetcar did. You know, uh-huh. rock on, you know, we, we did great. Um, but what they don't mention are the tens of millions of dollars that these developers get from incentives like tax increment financing or TIF abatement, uh, special taxing districts like TDDs. Mm-hmm. They cre- create their own little ones or other community improvement districts. And so what we're looking at is uh, every time we see a new development, what's really causing the development? Is it the streetcar or is it the millions in taxpayer dollars that these developers are getting. And when you look at the academic research, uh, <laughs> there is no good scientific basis for the claim that streetcars drive development. Uh, reality is much more complex than that. And so we're trying to keep advocates honest, especially when uh, right now they're pushing for an expansion of the streetcar. Uh, it's going to be multi-hundred million dollar project. And so we want to be sure that... Uh, the public knows yeah, the you, academic research on this. You do yourself a disservice if you inflate the value of anything because what you're not doing is properly researching and finding what the true causes are because if you put all your eggs in the it's the streetcar and it's not in the actual reason why things are developing properly and you're not putting the, 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 the proper emphasis on those, then it's going to fail. You don't want these projects to fail. Yeah, no, I mean, I think... Honesty is a great policy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, we see it here in St. Louis, too. We've got the vintage uh, Del Mar trolley going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was supposed to start operating a long time ago. It's still it's still not going. Uh, but the proponents say, hey, this thing is already driving development. We've got this new apartment tower going up on Del Mar. Um, they don't mention it got a 16-year tax abatement. Mm, so this property so game. they're not going to be paying property taxes for a long time, yeah. you know, millions and millions of dollars. Uh, that's doing the spurring of development, quote unquote, more than this uh, you know, trolley that isn't even operating yet. You know, that would kind of be like me saying, you know, I'm looking to move into the area and it would be a good thing if a personality on KMOX moved into your city, I should get a property tax abatement for doing that. And I shouldn't have to pay my taxes for living in your city because I could bring good public relations to you still never do that but you know for the 16 years for the trolley that's a long time yeah yeah so uh you know they want to make these things happen they want to build they want to cut ribbons show projects uh-huh. and uh this is uh this is an easy way to try to do it how about something that's uh good news i got this off your blog too at, at the show me institute 
College campus, Mizzou, embracing free speech, which is not something all colleges are embracing right now. So this is a good one. This is absolutely a good thing. This is a good move for uh, Mizzou. It's a good move for the state of Missouri. Uh, Mizzou has had um, some issues in the past few years, right, uh, well publicized. And uh, part of those issues is um, what might be seen as censorship of uh, of expression, freedom of speech issues. Uh, and universities are places where ideas should be shared and mm-hmm. debated, not crowded out, not shouted down, not pushed out. Uh, and so Mizzou has taken a step by adopting this free speech code that's modeled after University of Chicago's free speech code, which is considered the gold standard at protecting academic uh, and First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this is just a step that Mizzou is taking to uh, improving uh, just academic honesty, uh, not honesty, academic freedom right. uh, on campus and showing that it's serious about uh, moving forward and becoming a top tier uh, university. Yeah, it's important for these things. I think that we see the instances that happen in California. That's very popular in California, where they'll bring in speakers, but the campus will be forced to shut it down because they feel like there's going to be violence based on what a speaker's thoughts are, the words coming out of their mouth. And it's very ridiculous. You find that college is also tried to shut down a lot of times conservative thinking. You see people try to give out even copies of the Constitution and they'll get shut down. And there's not a lot of free thought that goes into college campuses anymore more out of the fear that it might offend some of the other college campuses there. That's not what free speech is all about, though. The, the free speech and the, the, the freedom of thought and expression is kind of what colleges should be embracing, but instead you find a lot of them are shutting that kind of down, shutting that down. It's good to see Mizzou's on the right track on that. Absolutely right. You know, if, if there's some bad ideas, you need to prove them wrong with good ideas, not, mm-hmm. not shout them down. That is right. That's the way to do it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what universities are yeah. for, uh, and so it's good to see that Mizzou's moving forward with that. Well, if someone wants to talk to you about any of these topics or maybe they uh, want to bring up their own to you, what's the best way to reach you? Hey, uh, the best ways visit uh, our website at showmeinstitute.org. Uh, my email's on there. It's probably, you're not going to be able to jot it down listening now, but it's graham.rens at showmeinstitute.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to shoot me a, shoot me a note, give us a ring, or uh, comment on our blogs, share them, and let us know what you think. And you're on Twitter, too? Uh, Show Me Institute is on Twitter. It's yeah. uh, at showme. Uh, like and you can, we're on Facebook. That's we're, a good Twitter handle. You, you guys got what? a good one. I, I wish I could take credit for it, but I, <laughs> but I can't. So Yeah. Uh, so Graham Renz from the Show Me Institute Policy Researcher. It was a pleasure having you in the GameOX studios here tonight. Thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure, too. We're going to... Uh, we're going to have them on again in the future at some point. I really enjoyed him, and I think they come up with some really good, really good thought-provoking pieces, even though in blog form you think normally, oh, who reads blogs? Well, go to Show Me Institute, or is it showmeinstitute.org, and check it out for yourself. Okay. Uh, coming up, I want to hit a couple of other things. A very, very, very good actor. Looks like he's calling it a career. Kind of surprised on that one. And a radio host quitting after he tells his boss that, uh, hey, I'm allowed to criticize Trump as long as lo- as much as I want to. Boston and agree. So the radio industry is a strange thing. And I'm going to give you a little insight into why this person decided to quit his job after the boss said, well, you got to tone it down a little. 
That's coming up next. Overnight America, KMOX. Weekdays at 2, there's a lot of talk on KMOX. And who's there to let you talk? Thank you for taking my call. Mark Reardon. I make it a point to listen to you. What's happening in St. Louis? What's happening in the world? What's important to you? I I just, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I just don't understand. When you need to talk, Mark Reardon is there. It's an open invitation on the Mark Reardon Show. You know that. Mark Reardon. Weekdays beginning at 2. I've learned an incredible amount in listening to you. Only on KMOX. Get the latest from the Cardinals from manager Mike Matheny on the SAPA GM Country Mike Matheny Show. Sundays at 1015, exclusively on your home for best Cardinals coverage. KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Always a pleasure to be with you. We have a couple of different news networks we monitor in the studio, and I'm, we have CNN up right now. And they use that breaking news thing so liberally, and it's like everything's breaking news. So they're saying, oh, now CNN projects that Handle wins the special runoff election in Georgia. We've known that for like two hours, and they're still using it as breaking news. And now it's such a breaking news story, 30 seconds later, they're off of it already. So you got to stop using that breaking news when it's not appropriate. Just a small, stupid rant. Two things I want to get to. Number one, radio show host said that he quit because the boss told him not to criticize Trump on air. I'm going to defend the radio station on this one. A few different reasons why. So here's the story from The Blaze. Pennsylvania radio show host Bruce Bond, a self-described liberal, quit his job after the station management warned him repeatedly to stop talking disrespectfully to President Donald Trump. Here is one of the notes that the uh, station manager sent to Bruce Bond, with the latest being on June 15th, so just five days ago. Bruce, this is to serve as notice that it is not permissible on WTPA airwaves to talk disrespectfully to the president. Of the president, not to, but of the president. I have received backlash in the form of emails, phone calls, and such. I have listeners threatening a boycotts of sponsors and social media campaigns against the station. I have spoken with several parties personally this week as they are very angered and have discontinued listening to WTPA and are encouraging their friends to do the same. This cannot continue to happen. I have asked previously to cease political discussion. If this cannot be achieved, we will have no choice but to discontinue the show. Let me tell you, uh, let me do a reality slap check to this host. Number one, if you go to their website, it's a rock station. In particular, a classic rock station. It's not a talk show. The guy's playing classic rock on a Saturday night. He has a, a Saturday night show. It's not even one of their regular personalities. It's a weekend personality, okay? So let me put it this way. If the person that is allowing you to have your fun on a Saturday night says, cut it out, this isn't a political talk show, it's a classic rock show, cut the politics out, I know what the listeners want to hear, and it's not your opinion on President Trump. Play the music, that's what they want to hear. And he says, no, 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 well, guess what? You're in the wrong. <laughs> so this rock chock just wants to go out and be disrespectful to President Trump. He wants to use that as his platform every Saturday night. And there's enough of that going around. Cut it out, dude. I went to their website. There's really no, well, let's see, maybe their staff. Do they have a job opening now? <laughs> let's see what their staff looks like. Uh, he's not listed on their staff list right now. Uh, 
So he, apparently Bruce resigned. Aww. He hosted the Bruce Bond late afternoon show Saturdays for the past 10 years. And he's trying to make it sound like management pushed me out, man. I'm trying to push the envelope and management pushed me out. Like he's the ultimate classic rocker. All right, dude, you're not the ultimate classic rocker. You, you make it sound like I'm sticking it to the man. No, you're not. By the way, uh, apparently he had a rap sheet. He was uh, in prison for two years on a check fraud. Okay, I don't know how that's relevant to the story, but they decided to put it in there. And uh, on a Facebook post, he said he really hated to quit his job, which, you know, Saturday night, that's a part-time job in a small city in central Pennsylvania. I'm sorry there is a really ugly political environment in this country, he wrote. Unfortunately, central Pennsylvania can't handle someone as liberal and brutally honest as I. Stop being like you are the most important person on the face of the earth. You act like if it wasn't for you, no liberal opinions would ever get out there. You are not a freedom fighter, okay? You are just someone that's annoying on a classic rock station. He went on to say, thanks for understanding my side of the story. All right. I will tell you this. I'm looking at what looks like to be a logo, Bruce Bond in the afternoon. This is one of the best radio logos for a show I've seen. I may rip this off. Like, I'm going to save this. I'll, I'll clip it out. I'll cut it. If we ever do an Overnight America with Ryan Recker, I want it to look like this. It is cool looking. Here's uh, another post that he put on Facebook on Saturday. My apologies to the general manager for posting the memo earlier today. Should not have had his email and phone number listed in the post. Yeah. Either he was just completely obnoxious or he was just completely oblivious to it all. One of the two. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was oblivious. Uh, I really hated to quit my very fun and honest show, but under these rules, I could not continue being honest to my fans and listeners. Now, if your job is to play classic rock music, uh, I can tell you right now, I can just 100% guess that your job is not to be political commentator on a classic rock station, all right? Uh, Tony, Tony, Tony was the best co-host I ever had on radio and was really having fun every Saturday morning. I'm sorry that there is a really ugly political environment, blah, 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 blah. Thanks for understanding. All right, so I, I understand, but I also understand you are wrong. Understand you are wrong. Another story I wanted to get to. A very famous actor is deciding to say it's time to hang up the Oscars. Daniel Day-Lewis, widely considered one of the most prominent actors of his generation, is retiring. He has one more movie that's coming out, scheduled at theaters on December 25th. It's a ultra big-time drama, which every time he's in a movie, it's always a drama, about the high world of fashion. I don't see a Daniel Day-Lewis as a fashion baron or anything like that, so I'm kind of curious. But he won Oscars for Lincoln, which I never saw. I wish I, I need to see that movie. It was apparently it was very, very good. He was honored with a uh, was it best actor Oscar for that. There will be blood, which was the movie about being an oil baron, which was an interesting one, too. And my left foot never once heard of that movie. My left foot. Maybe I'm so separated from the uh, the whole Hollywood thing. And you know what? It's not a bad thing to be separated from Hollywood. He also had two other nominations, Gangs of New York and in the name of the father. Don't know that second one either. I will tell you just anytime I've seen him in a movie, he is one that's always been very selective in the roles he play, he takes. He doesn't just take roles to take him. He waits for that perfect opportunity. So he has always kind of worked on his own. You know, he's, he's done it on his own. He was able to go out and do the things he wanted to do, do the 
projects he's always wanted to do. And it goes to show you when he's a good fit and you get him on board, someone that's such a great actor as him, it changes. It changes the course of a movie. Uh... He also would wait years between projects, I guess. You know, I'm not a I'm not a big movie guy. I used to watch movies all the time. I used to be a big movie fan. I used to collect all the DVDs back when, uh, you know, DVDs came out. It was cool to go into a, a store and buy DVDs. I don't do any of that anymore. I feel so separated from it. But I can tell you, I also feel more liberated than I'm separated from it. But uh, anytime I've seen him in a movie, he has locked down probably the best pure actor I've ever seen. He's like the actor's actor. I don't know if anyone can out-act him. So him going and deciding to call it a career, which is good for him. Eventually, we all have to say, you know, my work here is done. And sometimes it's hard to walk away. Sometimes people just take it a step too far. Sometimes people refuse to give it up. And at some point, uh, you just hope they do because, well, they're not effective anymore. A lot of classic rockers are like that. They decided to take it a little bit too long when they could decide to just uh, hang it up and let them call it a career. But, you know, it's good when you see people appropriately calling it away. I'm one of those guys that if I won the lottery, I, I probably would still work in a part-time capacity. I still wouldn't be working. I mean, I'm, I'm out. I'm just doing the things I like. So I totally get Daniel Day-Lewis. When it's time to retire, it's time to retire, man. And uh, good for you to be able to do something like that. All right. Well, coming up in the next hour, I don't know if you saw this, but they are deep-frying Twinkies. In St. Louis, you are one of the lucky, lucky people on the planet that get to try it for free tomorrow. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk about that, do another taste test of it. Hanson Brothers slamming Justin Bieber. And are they ever going to get this arched uh, museum done? Man, I want to go. It's coming up. Overnight America, Camelax. Camelax.